That's right. Welcome everyone to Satanists on Cinema. These are your Satanists, one John, one Adam, and all of you. Thank you guys so much for one joining us. John. What? You just called me John. I totally did just call you John. <laughs> Why did I call you John? I don't know. I don't know, Campbell. Why'd you call me John? <laughs> That's weird. One Cam <laughs> one John, one Campbell, and it's gonna be a good night. Uh, how's it going, Dallas? Thanks for joining us, man. Um, okay, here's the deal. We're going to be talking about Dr. Sleep. Mm -hmm. Dr. Sleep is a film, and this is all spoilers, so if you guys don't know spoilers from both this the novel and the book... spoiler thing right here. Yeah. It, I mean, it's on you, because we are getting into it. Um, no pity for people who don't back out at this point. No. No. Uh, the the two-week rule is bullshit when you actively look up a video discussing the fucking movie. When the title has... Star, star, star. Spoiler, all caps. Star, star, star. Yeah. You know you're going to be going through spoilers. Yeah. And we are. Um, this has to... Uh, this this is going to cover a little bit of the novel. Primarily, it's going to be covering the film. And tangentially, it has to cover both the Shining film, uh, the Kubrick, probably more than the other one, and the novel of The Shining. So understand that we're going to be touching on all these different points. And th there's a lot of discussion to go through. But um, if we can start off without diving into the story, but just giving overall impressions, what did you think? Okay, so I only did seven Star Wars references. My wife didn't quite hit me. Um, usually anytime there's a movie where somebody in a Star Wars film was in it, it's always everything is Star Wars, and then she just progressively gets more and more mad throughout the film. I straight up, like, just probably 20, 30 minutes in, lost all that shit was just in the fucking movie. Mm. It was so good. One thing I think is the, the biggest problem that people are going to have with this is expecting it to be a sequel in terms of continuing in the vein of the original. Mm. And what people must understand about the Shining novel and um, uh, uh, Dr. Sleep's novel, wow, that took me a while, <laughs> was that The Shining was very much about abuse and mm -hmm. addiction and yeah. dealing with mental disease and um <laughs> and then of course the world the universe that they yes. operate in uh this sequel is very much about survival it's surviving mm -hmm. trauma surviving abuse and uh surviving the evils of the world and yeah, so as long is... as you can wrap yeah. your head around this this is a catharsis film mm -hmm. the first shining well this shining um was very much much this is an abuse film and mm -hmm. you have to understand that if you don't get that very primitive construct then you may not like this film as much as people like i love it um, mm. but i mean just well if you've ever read the books too like yeah. it's very over like stephen king i mean everybody of course always draws references from their own personal lives yeah. but any like in his books they are very heavy on what he's dealing with at the time that he started the writing. Mm -hmm. And that's what The Shining was, was his throws with alcoholism. And this was his recovery book. Yeah. It, um... Well, let me, let me just quick brief overview. I love the film so much that throughout, not only were there points where I was like, like pumping my fists in the air, <laughs> yeah. there were also points where I was doing my damnedest not to cry because my yeah. daughter was right next to me and my wife right next to her. And I couldn't, I was going through so many emotions about what I knew about the characters, what I knew about the characters past, what I knew about the novel interactions versus the film interactions and what I knew about my own real world in connection to those experiences. I, I nearly broke down crying throughout the film in very many different spots. And at the end, um, and we'll get into why, it was just a moment of pure, expressive, just like a pure, clean, uncut catharsis. <clears throat> God damn it. I missed a Star Wars reference I should have made. Fuck. Sorry, we'll get to that. We'll get okay, to that. Okay. God damn it. Let me go see it again, I guess. A sparkling shadows. Um, yeah, I know. King hated Kubrick's adaptation. And I don't care because I adore it. I love it. I yeah. love the book as well, but the novel, <laughs> but I loved it. Um, okay, that being said... Let's get into the, the plot of this. Do you want to run down the plot of Dr. Sleep? Okay. So, uh, and I don't remember how much of this is in the book. I know it's all like the aftermath of leaving yeah. the Overlook. They did very little setup for it, but yeah. 
yeah, but with um, with this, they pretty much start at the end of the movie mm-hmm. into present day where, you know, Danny is now Dan Torrance and he's an adult and he's a raging alcoholic. Yeah. Um, starts with, with him abuse. waking up. Yeah. Yeah. There's some heavy, heavy abuse <laughs> where he uh, wakes up with a lady that's very likely dead in her own vomit and her mm-hmm. child in the other room. Uh, and yeah. that's when he decides I should probably clean up and decides to run away. <laughs> uh, a, okay. a really important part about that is that we get to see him at his absolute worst. And what they yes. didn't really do was hit home how much that singular experience in, infected him. We got one scene where he caught this flashback uh, through The Shining of uh, that woman dead saying, we've been dead for a long time and they haven't found us yet. My neighbors were used to my baby crying because I would leave it on multiple occasions and we haven't been found yet. And then it shows the rotting baby next to her. So there are these really moments that in the novel are so powerful that he is terrified to even bring them up as a conclusion of his AA experience because he's afraid what people are going to think of him. There, I mean, he left their, their, this less than toddler child uh, in the novel, right next to the cocaine that they were both snorting the night before. Uh, not to mention the various uh, alcohol bottles and everything lying around. And the mother, again, as you point out, who could very well be dead in her own vomit because mm-hmm. there was vomit on her pillow and in bed. And he just leaves the baby right next to her. Then robs her. Yeah. And even, and here's one thing that, I, you know, if, if you haven't read the book, um, Dick Halloran is back. And the way they introduced this idea of them being back after that he was killed in the Kubrick version, though he survived in King's film uh, novel, mm-hmm. I yeah. thought was brilliant. What did you think about that? Bringing them back through The Shining, uh, aka Force Ghosts. Well, I could have swore there were Force Ghosts in the book too, weren't there? There were, yeah, yeah. But okay, okay. Before yeah. Doc died, he was yeah, yeah, a straight up mentor to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I bought it, especially if you go into King's other books mm-hmm. and like the whole idea of the Ka, which is essentially the force of the Stephen King universe, but more of a way of living than an actual presence that you can manipulate. Like, whatever. I'm not even going to get into the whole yeah. shit of that because that's a fucking show right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, from the first moment that I experienced that in the book and even with the movie, I just ate it up immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, it just made sense because, uh, like, if you think about it, that's really all the ghosts were in the Overlook was just essentially ripples in, you know, the car or the force or whatever. Yeah. Um, were so they, though, because... They come back, too. That's a really interesting idea that I want to explore uh, before... We're not even done with the plot summary. <laughs> It doesn't matter. That's fine. You guys are watching. You kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I want to explore that a little bit because from the original Kubrick film, I got the sense that those were manifestations of individual uh, people corrupted through the Overlook's presence. And they lived eternally in this sort of time warp of sorts, uh, horrifying future generations, as it were. Where And that's how, you know, uh, Torrance, Jack Torrance, ended up trapped there as well. But in Doctor Sleep, I thought it upturned that, very the novel and the book, actually, where, uh, I mean the novel and the film, where they upturned it and said, no, 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 those are masks. Those mm. are not the people. That is the overlook itself manifesting its darker moments in order to terrify and drain the Shining from people who visit it, who have Shine. That's And so it's a very different take, whether they're independent essences or whether they're agents or parts of the Overlook itself, right? Well, in that, that aspect, it does kind of come through in the Shining novel and, the, of course, the latter Mick mm-hmm. Garris adaptation. Um, like, I definitely got that where it's more like a vortex that no, like, it's a, it's a conscience vortex. Like, yeah. it's... It can manipulate everything in order to get what it needs. Yeah. And either way, I'm down. I, lo- <laughs> I absolutely adore it. But it has yeah. a huge bearing um, mm-hmm. on 
the the novel versus the film and how they set things up because again the overlook in Stephen King's The Shining is destroyed at the end and in the novel Doctor Sleep they're rummaging at the third uh, uh, at the last part of uh, the novel they're rummaging around the ruins of the mm-hmm. overlook instead of in Kubrick's The Shining it's completely still intact and yeah. they return to the intact overlook and I think the difference is that. Rather than attributing, as the Kubrick film did, that the Overlook is this haunted house that is persistent in everything, mm-hmm. um, King's vision of it is very much of uh, an area of power. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I lost you for just a second. Oh, that's um, weird. This area of power that it is the area that generates this this. Uh, sense of of misery mm-hmm. and stuff and that's why like the one true not goes to the twin towers in the novel and feeds off of the the victim energy essence there yeah um the mist or uh, the the steam the steam sorry uh, let me open this up <clears throat> okay so let's let's get through the plot then we're going to talk about some of the people who built this thing uh, and made it really happen um so Danny Torrance is um, a complete waste of a human being, and he mm-hmm. decides he's in a moment of reflection. He has to run away from himself, and so he runs up north to New Hampshire, and there uh, he runs into uh, Billy Freeman and Bruce Greenwood, who has a very subdued role in this film version. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that. Yeah, I, especially when you saw the actor who played him. Yeah. Uh, um, Dr. John. Bruce Greenwood, as the actor, is great. Mm-hmm. And Dr. John had such, there were so many important moments with him um, that Danny or Dan was sharing and, and working through his trauma with oh, yeah. him. But in this film adaptation, he was simply a conduit to get uh, um, Dan a role as a night orderly uh, mm-hmm. in an old folks home, which then pays homage to the title of the film because Danny falls into this role of easing people off to death on their deathbed by helping them fall asleep and telling them that they're that this is not it that we do carry on and that gives people some comfort and allows them and he uses his shine to get inside their head um and help them along the journey this ends up being this wonderfully redemptive role for dan torrance who suffered so much and it sets it up for the audience i think that this is his payback to as as someone who shines who has this wonderful power um, to carry that forward, but it turns out that that is not his payback. Abra is his payback, and this mm. is also when we're introduced to Abra Rose, Abra Stone, who is this brilliant young actress, uh, young character played by actress Kylie Curran. Uh, what did you think of her? I thought she was fucking fantastic. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, and we get so much more time in the novel, of course, with this mm-hmm. character that. I didn't know that a young that, actress could do it. Yeah, see, that's why I was I was a little disappointed because when this was first discussed years and years ago, um, there was actually talks about having it be a television series, like, a, of course, a shorter series. Mm. But it just would make so much sense because, I mean, in the book, I mean, it's, it's of course, quick pace, but in the book, we do get more of the back and forth. And, you know, from the time we're first introduced to her in the movie to the time where they actually first meet. I mean, that's a difference of eight years. And yeah. we do get some of that in the book. Yeah. So I was, I was a little disappointed when you get that. But, I mean, as, as an actress, like, mm. she fucking stole the show. <laughs> she did that's, so good. That was surprising because it's like she's going up against Ewan McGregor. Yeah, and Rebecca and, Ferguson. Yeah, who was amazing as Rose the Hat. Okay, so mm-hmm. um, we talked about our, pre- our our primary protagonist, which is Dan Torrance, played by Owen McGregor, Abra Stone, played by uh, played by Kylie Curran, um, and Billy Freeman, played by Cliff Curtis, with a follow up from the novel of Doctor John, played by Bruce Greenwood. But we have to talk about the one true knot, and you can't talk about yeah. the one true knot yeah. without talking about Rose the goddamn Hat, played by Rebecca Ferguson. Fuck. Yeah, and she pulled that role so amazingly. Perfect. Like I, I was scared um, about who the hell they were going to cast and how they're going to pull it off because, like, you have to have that gypsy dangerous feel, and she just oozed it in like mm. the best way. You couldn't quite tell if she was actually Irish or she just lived 
in a past in Ireland. And then she, you know, came to America and became multicultural. Yeah, I think she just had so many different accents that just sort of slipped in and out from here and there. It gave a sense of authenticity to what her oh, character actually is. And it's this definitely. centuries old being. So let's talk about the one true knot. What is the true knot? The one true knot, they are the group of people that essentially go through and feed off, you know, people's essence, um, especially people with the shine. Uh, because they have a lot more power. So what they do is once they capture them, you know, they'll torture them a little bit and slowly kill them um, because pain and terror apparently intensifies how much of your shine leaves your body at a time. Yeah. And and the, the act of pain and fear purifies. Yes, the, purifies the, um, the steam. The steam. There we go. Which is what I thought was so brilliant they set up really quickly and and so concisely that the knot is about consuming steam mm -hmm. steam is in short supply in this world right now and they explain it because of technology because of every kid has a cell phone because so much tv and streaming service and and they set up the idea that the steam itself is diminishing because we're no longer human like fully interacting as true human beings we're now mm -hmm. turning into this and this is my interpretation where we're turning into this more new species of, of technological humans rather than homo sapiens sapiens that we have mm -hmm. been for centuries for thousands of years for millennia and so the idea that the steam is connected to that experience i thought was a beautiful way of exploring that oh, yeah. um, and that there's vampires like this like the one true knot that that exists solely on it and yet are aware that it's slipping out of their fingers right mm -hmm. in front of their face and that not that they can ever live forever and because they they can't but they can extend their life i thought was a very interesting oh, point yeah. and that's when we were really introduced to snakebite andy played by amelia allen lind so at the very beginning of the Fucking film killer <laughs> you get a scene of uh this young child being murdered by the one true knot but mm. then it cuts to what the one true knot also does and that mm. is recruit so when they find someone of significant talent or talent that would be useful to the group, the knot as a whole, instead of feeding off of them, they turn them into one of their own. So there's this young lady who, uh, I don't know if she's an outright lesbian or she just turns into a lesbian or bisexual because Rose the Hat is Rose the Hat. But in the film, she, uh, and in the novel, she seduces men, older men, who, she's only 15, Mm -hmm. And they want to be with her in that way. So she seduces them to movie theaters. And then she tells them to go to sleep and that they will not feel the pain. And she cuts their cheek and then robs them so that no matter what, they are going to be shown as if the scarlet letter A is mm -hmm. on their chest in Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. In the future, everyone will know that they are pedophiles and that they are uh, mm -hmm. doctors and, and just horrible human beings and i thought not only well, is the best part to too is she implants that in their heads too that yeah. every time you see that you'll remember this and you'll remember you're basically a piece of shit <laughs> oh yeah and that's what attracts the true knot to her uh her her viciousness her cruelty but the purity of it and the fact that she uses her shine to do it uh so brilliant um then you get to see what it takes to turn a human being into a member of the true knot which i thought was really interesting and i liked how that turned out on film versus yeah, how no, they described it they did it real well like there there were a few parts that i was worried about and that was definitely one of them mm -hmm. um well pretty much that like how they were gonna show that because uh, the transformation i mean that was essentially what i saw in my head when i was reading the book yeah. um and then their encounter at the uh overlook but i thought that was done pretty well too yeah so the premise of this world is you have these two forces in this film and in the novel. You have those who shine, and in the context of the film, that's represented primarily by Danny initially and in trying to subdue it and hide his shine so that he can get along and deal with life and the trauma that he experienced as a child. And then you have Abra on that same side, who is the exact opposite. She loves to exhibit it, except that her parents are terrified of her. And she yeah. knows how they feel. And so she does her best to, again, hide it and internalize the shine so that she can just kind of get along. So they're kind of in the shine camp primarily. And then you have the true knot, which feed on the shine. Uh, in the film, it's also in, uh, encom encompassed by the Overlook Hotel. And so you have these these people or these places that feed on the shine 
Um, and they're trying to hide themselves from the one true knot. The one true knot is of mass influence. They have money. They have connections in governments. Mm. They have absolute resources because they've been around since the goddamn pharaohs. Like, yeah. they are, as far as mankind is concerned, fucking eternal. And so yeah. they... They can go from town to town murdering and abducting children and then murdering them or turning them into the ones who are not. And no one's the wiser because of yep. their power. I, ne I The one thing that I regretted from the film was that we didn't get the sense of power that the true not actually held. Mm -hmm. Like it was just yeah. this caravan that just abducted people. And I. Yeah. And that. I mean, they, they, they tried when um, what's his bucket? Uh, I forget what the hell his name was. You know, of course, just saw the movie a couple hours ago, so I already forgot all the characters. <laughs> uh, but the the main head guy, like the old dude, like Crow Dad, has... was that his name? The old old guy from what? Like the old guy in the from the, the one caravan. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I the but old like when... guy was Grandpa Flick. There we go, Grandpa yeah. Flick. Sorry, um, but yeah, like they they kind of hinted towards it when he was cycling out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is kind of a hard thing to. I don't know, I guess get across without it being forced. Yeah. Um, especially given, you know, this is only a three hour movie. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to get a lot of story in. I'm glad it was as long as it was. Cause me too. It I did not feel longer. longer at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't need to pee once. <laughs> like the whole, <laughs> I was just enraptured the entire time. Yeah. Um, no, the entire group of the True Knot, and the True Knot was also smaller in the film than it was in the novel, which I understand they have to make these concessions in yeah. order for, you know, to make an a, a encapsulated film. Um, but that's what I loved about the One True Knot, is they lived and operated in this way for eons. And mm -hmm. then suddenly, Abra gets a glimpse into one single murder that they commit, and it is really the 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 MacGuffin that starts this entire thing into motion. Um, and so they watch uh, uh, the one true not abducts Billy Freeman, this young child who played uh, baseball and was really good at it. Um, he just had the shine, which is why he was so good at baseball. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to feed off of him. And so they abduct him and Abra watches the entire thing through the shining, through the shine. And the horror of it on film, I thought was done really well. Oh yeah! Like I was cringing. Like oh, it didn't explicitly show anything, but I felt uh, it. it didn't have to. And that honestly, that's something that I feel a lot of filmmakers don't understand. I mean, of course, Mike Flanagan of all fucking people gets <laughs> you know subtlety, but We're gonna pay it, it's him. so much worse to not see stuff, yeah. to just hear stuff and think about it because it's your head. It's going to be vastly worse than they could ever do on the screen. And that kid, that <sighs> performance. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> yeah, only other thing I've ever seen him in was Good Boys, and I mean oh, that's he was in that? yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Oh fuck, that shit is great. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the only thing I'd ever seen him in. So it's like, oh, he's, he's a funny guy. This is cool, and holy shit, yeah, just amazing actor. Fuck, <laughs> like just... I, I believed it. I did I, too, I... and I was terrified of it. And the the ver ver voracious feeding. That the one true not set upon him throughout yeah. the torture was just like he was just laying there. Are you going to hurt me? Please don't hurt me. Just bawling. And they're like, we have to. <laughs> it purifies the steam. <laughs> so you understand what's going to happen. And they just start cutting into him. Rose the Hat is so good. Yeah, so she goes good. from being like a nice, classy, delicate oh, person man. to just a fucking alpha wolf just ripping people to shreds. She is so just subdued power. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so great. Um, okay, so standouts from the one true not in the film really are just primarily Rose the Hat. Um, you had Crow Daddy, which is her sort of uh, second in command cohort. And the thing about the one true not is each of them have a different talent. And so you need each of them in order to continue this lifestyle, which is why they continually turn more people because as they fade, they cycle out is what they call dying. And it's, it is, it's described brilliantly in the novel. And I thought they did a great job of showing it on screen too. Oh yeah. But it's where they slowly dissolve back into steam. And so their skin becomes translucent for a period of time before it snaps back to normal. And then it gets worse and worse and worse until they just out. To yeah. Steam. 
Well, and it makes sense too. Like it, it perfectly makes sense because they're not immortal. They yeah. literally just live off of other steam. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they explain that perfectly without actually like dumbing it down when, um, the new girl, the snake bite, like when she got turned, Mm-hmm. because afterwards she's freaking out like that was horrible that was painful did, did i die am i even human anymore and yes she did die she and no she's not matter. human anymore <laughs> am i human anymore does it matter <laughs> i fucking love that line <laughs> so good yeah snakebite andy i thought was great because we got to see an intro and this is something i've never seen in a, a horror movie before is an entrance into the bad guy's world from someone who was outside yeah. I thought that was a great way of introducing who the true knot is. And I don't know if there would have been an, another way to actually do it effectively. No, definitely not. So this whole, first of all, Stephen King, you're amazing. I mean, we all knew that anyway, no, but really, treasure. <laughs> really, this novel was amazing. And, and mm-hmm. so let's give a quick shout out to Mike Flanagan again, because he adapted the novel into a screenplay and then he directed it. And you know him, I know him from Hush first and then haunting of hill house which holy shit this guy knows old school horror old yeah. school horror isn't what you like, just said straight up suspense yeah he fucking not gets showing it. you right out teasing yeah. letting you linger in uncomfortable scenes and mm. we got that a lot and it was so good modern day sensibility is gonna say well it's just not fast-paced enough there's not enough jump scares and it's not I as action-oriented and we don't see the bad guys enough and i say fuck you you don't know horror because mike flanagan yeah. knows horror yeah yeah if anybody wants to say this is a boring movie they're fucking idiots because oh you mean that slow burn you mean storytelling and character building yeah that's so fucking awful we hate that it's like this isn't a goddamn slasher you're yeah. not going to see a bunch of tits and people getting their heads cut off. Yeah. You want to watch that? There's a whole plethora of movies like that. This yeah. is true horror. So good. It is so good. Um, ultimately, this entire um, interaction is the one true not discovers Abra because she's snooping and doesn't really know the extent of her powers. And this is another wonderful thing. Um, Danny Torrance in The Shining was always trying to hide from his powers. He mm-hmm. didn't want to explore them because he was in the worst possible place to yeah. discover them in the first fucking place. And so he was constantly trying to shut out. Abra is experimenting. She's mm. laying traps. She's pushing limits on what her powers can do. And it was so interesting to go along for the ride with that experience. Oh, yeah. Definitely. As an actress, she was so great portraying it. Um, but showing how these powers are used by both Abra and Rose the Hat, where mm-hmm. the entire world shifts all a lord of illusions almost into in, in the nth degree. It's yeah. just so wonderful to explore this idea of magic through the use of those who use it and have it so wonderfully grounded and connected in this human experience as well. I just, it, it made me immediately think of Clive Barker's The Book of the Art and The Hellbound Heart, where I, I'm just obsessed with the idea of magic and human experience mm-hmm. and i don't think anyone does it as well as clive barker does blending the two but stephen king comes very close with the shining and specifically dr sleep mm-hmm. I, I think it blows it out of the water with definitely the, like, explaining what it is this this thing this this shining you know it's oh it's so wonderful um so Abra becomes discovered by uh, Rose the Hat, who then, of course, realizes what Abra is. And in the novel, it explains that Abra is the most powerful shine that she's felt in centuries. And yeah. in the novel's sake, as far as we're connected to the shining through Doc and um, uh, uh, I'm Dick. Sorry, um, Dick, thank you, uh, and Danny, she's more powerful than both of them. Like, yeah. she is, like, off-the-charts type shit. But in the novel, I got the sense that they didn't share that at all. They just explained that Danny was insanely powerful, like, mm-hmm. the most powerful, and Abra was also powerful. Yeah. And I'm, I was never really sure how I felt about it. I was a little disappointed in the novel because it didn't seem like the stakes were high enough because Abra was so powerful. She was so insanely powerful that I never really felt threatened for her sake. In the film, mm-hmm. I did because it didn't play it out oh, yeah. that much. Danny... I felt a little bummed because I loved him so much from his youth that to think that he wasn't the most powerful, it was like looking at Luke Skywalker and seeing him not as powerful as I thought he was. 
Yeah. But it was paid well, off I think in the that's, film. So. Yeah, that's part of the catalyst of the whole story in the book, yeah. though. Is like you just keep going, oh, god damn it, you could have been so much better. It's <laughs> insane. Um, yeah, so uh, it becomes then a survival film where mm -hmm. Dan, Dan is trying to help Abra survive from the one true not trying to find her, then consume her, and knowing that they will continually keep coming back. Uh, and then it all uh, comes to its final act uh, in The Overlook itself, where uh, Dan's plan is to try and deal with Rose the Hat in the same way that he's dealt with every monster from the Overlook. And it's through a technique that Dan Halloran taught him about... Dick mentally... Why did I keep calling him Dan? Thank you. Dick Halloran taught him about closing these creatures up in boxes in his mind. And his mind in the film is personified by the maze from the Overlook Hotel, which is a brilliant way of, of doing it. And I just... I bought into it. And I thought it was so oh, beautiful. Yeah. Well, it, it like that's those are the moments where it's like, how the fuck did you not realize you were as powerful as you were? Like you're literally taking a being and imprisoning them in your mind. It's so cool. Like you are a badass motherfucker, just plain and simple. Oh, there's a scene where Rose the Hat comes into the Overlook to kill Abra and Dan, and um, Dan takes the personage of Abra, something that they've been doing throughout the movie and throughout mm -hmm. the novel a lot, exploring the idea of, of taking over each other's bodies in different situations to help each other out when they're in need. Um, Dan takes over the personage of uh, Abra in the maze, trapping um, uh, Rose in there with him, and you see the closet coming up behind Rose, and Rose is holding on to Abra, and I'm just like, holy shit, is this how yeah. it's gonna end it? Holy shit, is this... And then she <laughs> yeah. just busts it all open, it's realizing like, wait, she was in the trap. Wait, this is in your mind? What the <laughs> shit? Yeah, it's it's so great. Like, the only thing that would have made that better is if that box had legs and arms and was, like, creeping up like this. Because it was so slow. And it's like, it you know it's not going to work, but god damn it, it yeah. might work. Yeah. I think... And I'm glad it didn't work, because yeah. ultimately what we got was Dan unleashing all of the beings that he entrapped mm -hmm. from the overlook onto rose and they devour her and that vision of watching them all feed on her under no. her skin and oh my gosh yeah i love that it was so beautiful so ultimately the the film and the the film ending what did you think of the film ending um all right so to be honest i don't fully remember the book ending um i mean i do but i don't i fucking love this ending like it was perfect and then having him come back as a forest ghost mm -hmm. like that just made perfect sense because i mean he naturally would i mean that's oh yeah of course dick well i mean just just like uh dick had always told him as a child it's like someday you will be doing this with someone else mm -hmm. and he's telling him that as a fucking ghost and so it just makes sense. It's like perfect full circle where, yeah, he's a ghost, but he's still mentoring somebody. Yeah. No, it's... Yeah, I, um, I, I loved it. So the, the method of the end was to destroy the Overlook, which was a oh, well, direct that. copy of uh -huh. the end of the original Shining novel. So the end of the Shining film, Jack Torrance is chasing Danny through the maze and then succumbs to hypothermia and dies. And then um, and Dick is killed in it uh so wendy and dan flee in the novel uh jack actually destroys the overlook hotel by not paying attention to the actual boiler room and it explodes because it's this old boiler room uh to heat the old overlook mm -hmm. and that that's alluded through from the very beginning of the book and it's this wonderful moment of Danny saying, it's not you. I don't believe it's you, Daddy. It's, your, it's a face. It's a false face. And that's paid homage in the film. But that's how Jack fights against the Overlook to give Danny enough time to escape. And then essentially, ostensibly, sacrifices himself. Mm -hmm. And it blows up the hotel. So his family could get away. But he was blown up with the hotel being blown up. In the end of Doctor Sleep, it's the exact spin of instead of Jack being the one overtaken by the Overlook, it's Danny. And Abra's mm -hmm. the one saying, it's a false face, it's a false face. And him telling him, get out, get out. And so yeah. he is, 
Mike Flanagan is taking both the Shining book and the Shining film and spinning it into a beautiful homage for the close, the, the, the conclusion of Danny Torrance's tortured ep and, and redeemed epic. Oh, it yeah. was so beautiful. And yeah, and that, oh my God. As soon as you see, well, not Shelley Duvall, but as soon as you see mm -hmm. Wendy and he immediately turns into the kid, that's just like, oh God. Oh, dude. Okay, so yeah. because you brought up Wendy, um, Alex Esso was Wendy Torrance. Uh, uh, Dick Halloran was played by Carl Lumbly. And um, Jack Torrance was played by Henry Thomas. I thought they did great. This is the Even first, thing, Danny I, was Roger the first thing I said when we were walking out of the movie was Mike Flanagan likely has to pick up his balls and throw them over his shoulder to fucking walk around at this point. Because to have the testicular fortitude to completely recast, instead of reusing the film stock, mm -hmm. but to completely recast and recreate parts of a classic fucking film by a god of cinema. A fucking genius, yeah. Like, fucking good on him. Mm -hmm. Like, that is some fucking confidence. And it was beautifully <laughs> done. Beautifully done. I, I really, I was, while we were watching Jack Torrance as um, the bartender, Lloyd, ostensibly, yeah. um, I was running through my head, as a director, would I have asked him to give a Jack Nicholson um, uh, uh, impersonation? And I feel like I would have, but I'm glad that he didn't. Yeah, then it would have just been a character. Yeah, it would have been cheesy and cheap. And yeah. instead, they just tied in with the character. And during it, I was just like, oh, I want those. I, I love Jack Nicholson and everything he's done. So I'm just like, I, I want Jack Nicholson. But I understand it's not Jack Nicholson. It's Jack mm -hmm. fucking Torrance. And I've got to separate myself from that. Yeah. It, I thought it was brilliant. It was so wonderful. And now we should talk about how how many callbacks to Kubrick's The Shining there were. And do you think it was too many? No. No, I honestly, there should have been more. Yeah. I really yeah. think they should have, like, just thrown in all kinds of stupid shit, like, even down to, like, you know, labels of food products. Mm -hmm. Because in the Kubrick film, especially if you've ever watched Room 237, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. he hangs on shit so goddamn much. Like, I, I did love that they had the proper typewriter. Like, yeah. That was great. Um, but yeah, they, they could have done so much more. And I don't think it would have taken me out of the film at all, which, you know, sometimes that can happen. Like yeah. if you're doing way too many callbacks, it's like you're winking at the camera and then it's like, ah, fuck you. Come on. That's why I think he didn't do more than he did because no, I don't, already, I don't blame like people, yeah. you know, the expectation of film goers going into this is that it's going to be the shining too. And it's not, it's a continuation mm -hmm. of Danny Torrance's tortured story. Yeah. And so it's very different. You can't go into it thinking that. And if, if he would have been so heavy handed as to do that, which I probably would have been inclined to do, it would fail even worse. I think than it's failing right now. And that's to say it's not doing very well in the box office. My theater oh. was empty. Okay. See, here's the thing about that shit. Like, People want to talk about numbers so fucking much. Numbers are pointless. An opening weekend really doesn't mean a goddamn thing. It's going up against some fucking war movie this weekend, I guess, that's doing amazing. I don't know. Ten years from now, what are you going to be watching? Yeah. Fucking Midway or Dr. Sleep? I would like, definitely be watching Dr. Sleep over yeah, and over Like, you look at so many of the films that we all just absolutely love, revere, mm -hmm. like, they're almost like a, a, a religious experience every time you watch it damn near the majority of them were bombs yeah i mean it's yeah. just it's the shining didn't do well no the shine and it was a goddamn kubrick film <laughs> it was a, like, a, like a masterpiece yeah it's, and it's heralded as the greatest horror film of today by virtually everyone mm -hmm. so yeah i i don't i don't ever i'm not concerned except that, that i i want to live in this universe more and mm -hmm. It did so well with both chapters, and Pet Cemetery meh sort of meeked out the remake. It was okay. No, I, I the film I thought did okay. I, I'm just saying, like as far, oh, the box as, far as numbers, numbers gotcha. go, yeah, yeah, it did not yeah, no, well. it fucking murdered everything. And then this is not doing that well. I think people are gonna. I, I think it's going to hinder potential future installments of examining this universe that I love so much and I want to so desperately explore after uh, Mike Flanagan's or under well, Mike Flanagan's guidance. Um, like I, okay. I believe 
that he's probably going to get the King stamp of approval to do more adaptations. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. there's no way in hell with how fucking fantastic this turned out. I mean, yeah, of course, he was also playing off the Kubrick film. So, I mean, that's kind mm -hmm. of a you know red mark on his. That's just the last right, third. But... The first two thirds were all him. Oh, yeah. No, I'm. I got that, but like that's the only thing I could see that yeah. he might have done wrong in Stephen King's eyes. Mm. So I, I really don't think it'll hinder anything. Like because the movie's already made money. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's surpassed what its budget was and all that shit. So it's not like it fucking completely bombed yeah. and they're gonna pull it out of theaters. But I don't know. I I really think that he might end up being you know, fingers crossed, the Mick Garris of our generation, yeah. where that ends up being, you know, uh, King's go-to guy. I would love that. Yeah. Um, I will say I was a little torn on the ending. I did like, uh, I wasn't happy with the way Billy, um, I'm sorry, uh, I wasn't happy with the way, um, um, oh my gosh, why can't I, yeah, it is Billy Freeman, uh, mm -hmm. how he was executed by um, Snakebite Andy. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Because he was so wonderful in the conclusion to the novel that to see him go out so early, I was like, ah, oh, man. Yeah, because he, he was there in the book, like, in, yeah. in, going up to the Overlook, right? Like, he was the distraction. Okay. And he was, like, doing all these weird fucking dances and movements okay. and snake bites. That's what I thought, but it's, I mean, it's been... I mean, Crow Daddy well, was looking at him like he was fucking crazy, like, what is he doing? And then they yeah. realized that they were being duped. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah that's... it's it, admittedly it's been seven years since I've read the book. Like I read yeah. it when it came out, so I uh, kind of forget some. It's things. so good. I I laughed and cried openly in the book. That's how mm. good I thought it was, and I don't do that often to books at all. Um, the what I what I missed about this was the at the 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 conclusion from the novel, and that is seeing Jack winking at Danny at the ruins of the Overlook, like mm -hmm. saying. I did my part to redeem my past. I am so terribly sorry what I did to you as a child. I hope this goes in some way. And this is me in my head um, narrating it. Mm -hmm. I hope this goes in some way to redeem my memory in your eyes. And Dan, who didn't die in the book, but he did in the film, um, recognized that. And he was like, yeah, no, thank you. That was, you know, you saved my life. I loved the redemption arc in Doctor mm -hmm. Sleep that we got from fucking Jack Torrance because he was so heavy in that book. And just like any father is heavy in his son's mind, someone like Jack Torrance, not to mention Jack, uh, I'm sorry, Dan Torrance and Abra Stone are half ne niece and half uncle because Jack had, uh, Abra's mother is the daughter of no i'm sorry yeah yeah abra fuck this it's all convoluted jack torrance had an affair um, mm -hmm. on wendy the result of that was abra stone's mother and so abra is mm -hmm. the half niece to danny who in the film they're referencing as uncle and it turns mm -hmm. out that he actually is yeah i completely fucking forgot about that and, and the thing is that it was so connected that they both got their shine through Jack Torrance and Abra's grandmother, Momo, um, mm -hmm. who they also didn't even feature in the film, which I thought was a lost opportunity to share that connection. Mm -hmm. I understand that's too much to add, even in a two and a half, three hour film. But it was it was Momo that explained to Danny why he was doing what he was doing as Dr. Sleep and why it had impact and meaning. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, and they didn't need it in the film, but I loved that essence, that scene, because it was this mystery of who, who is Jack Torrance and what is yeah. his legacy? And am I the only legacy? No, there's more to it. And who is this other woman that he had this affair with? And it was this wonderful exploration of who his father was through this genealogical exploration means. And then it connected directly with the other protagonist. And I loved yeah. that connection. The thing I missed from it that I, I wish there would have been more in, and again, time constraints, I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a longer film, so they yeah. could have explored a little bit more shit, but like the whole Danny and Tommy dynamic, there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning of the book, like there, that's pretty heavy throughout his childhood. Yeah. 
and him like battling with him to be like, no, I don't want this. You need to go. Yeah. Like I, I, I wish they would have had some of that in there. Yeah. This could easily have been like a, like a six hour film. <laughs> and I would have fucking ate up every goddamn totally second would of it. Too. <laughs> um, but for the constraints that it had with the time that it was given, ultimately, I thought it did a brilliant job. I didn't mind all of the changes. I was a little uncomfortable going out of the theater with them. But in reflection, I thought they were great. And mm-hmm. and I love this film. And this is definitely a film that I'm, I'm going to watch as much as I watch The Shining, which is a fucking lot. Mm-hmm. And it's a film that I can share with my daughter because it's not overly gruesome. And I didn't feel bad having her next to me. I've actually enjoyed it because we got to share this wonderful experience of this film and these characters that we, we have shared through the shining for so many years in her youth that I feel like it's going to be a wonderful heritage moving forward. It's a weird thing to think about and say, but it's a wonderful connection that when I'm dead, she's going to be able to turn on the shining and Dr. Sleep and remember me. Mm -hmm. And that's important to me. And I, I love that, you know? Yeah, no, it's horror brings everybody together. So there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, my parents, like, I, the opposite of what my mother was Mm. in life. And uh, we always watch horror movies together, like introduction. Like those are some of the most precious memories that I'll ever have is watching stupid shit that most parents would think it was ill to show them. Have you, have you made her watch uh, Room 237? No, no. No, getting into filmmaking and stuff, I'll let her do on her own terms. <laughs> oh, no, no. that Come on, man. That's such a fun documentary. Oh, it's All great. All those yeah, crazy motherfuckers. It I, I it was great. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about what did you love most about this? God, just the entire thing. Like, from the beginning, it brings you in immediately. Um, and you just, like, you feel so bad for Danny that, like, the whole time you're just like, Fuck, let him get his peace. Let him mm. find his redemption and just like watch him constantly getting beaten down. Like you can't help but be like, God damn it. Something to look up for this guy. <laughs> yeah. And then when he was singing, like, holy shit. Uh, I-, I look over Jan. I'm like, oh God. She's <laughs> like, are you going to fucking cry? I'm like, no. He's singing and that's killing me inside. He's such a perfect human. Uh, I, um, Ewan McGregor is so fucking beautiful. Just yeah. as a human, outside of this film, outside of all of his acting, as a human being, of everything that I've had any exposure to um, from his different behind-the-scenes and just interviews and stuff, he's so fucking wonderful. But specifically in this film, I loved him. Absolutely right. just adored him. I thought Rebecca... Fer- and these are my favorite parts. Rebecca Ferguson as Rose the Hat was perfect yeah, casting. Yeah, spot on. Perfect. Spot on. And Kylie Curran was an amazing Abra. I'm sure they could have gone different ways, but I can't think of anyone. And she was just so good. You got to see, you got to see that there was darkness in her. Like mm-hmm. the way that she, her face, I don't know what it is. Her smile itself is evil. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the fact that when she trapped Rose the hat that first time, she was evil. Like you could see oh, in her yeah. face, no eyes, just that smile in her teeth. There's something about her smile. I hope she keeps creating films i hope she explores more films again because she has a presence and she has a look that is very different and like watching her in interviews and stuff she has a vibrance to her like she's just alive inside and i love that so much i hope she doesn't lose it through fucking puberty in life yeah no Um, (laughs) because i would love to see her perform and act much much more Mm -hmm. i think she's great and if mike flanagan can ever direct her again i think we have some amazing stuff in store for us in the future. And that's what he does. A lot of the characters in this film were from haunting on Hill house. Like he Mm -hmm. pulled in tons of actors and actresses. It was really, really great. And that's what he does as a filmmaker. That's what the best filmmakers do is they bring in people they know can bring it and lose themselves in the characters that they're supposed to be playing. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look at all the classic fucking Carpenter films. Yeah. Who was in it? (laughs) Kurt Russell. Every single one that was worth the damn. Well, except for amazing. Except for they live. (laughs) <laughs> but whatever wasn't he supposed to be in that though yeah but i'm glad he wasn't yeah yeah like that's my favorite carpenter and i'll fight anybody that fucking says it's horrible we might have to do some fisticuffs <laughs> fucking do it then. i don't think it's horrible i just don't think it was good um oh my god so i, w- I was left 
wanting more from this this world. I was left want because you got this closing statement um, from Rose the Hat saying we're not the only ones out there. That one line made me want more. I want a sequel oh, yeah. where Abra is trying to rescue other victims uh, of the one true knot, but more. I want a prequel of The Overlook as an ongoing miniseries, eight part, ten part, mm. on whatever streaming That'd be service. Fucking awesome. Directed by Mike Flanagan, just to explore the history of this hotel and the. What if that ends up being season two of Haunting of Hill House? I will fucking cry my <laughs> eyes. Out. I will. I will just e ejaculate out of my tear ducts. <laughs> that sounds like a rational way to. Uh, oh, 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 it burns the salt! Ah! <laughs> it burns! It's like bleach! <laughs> I will seriously do that. It, I would love that. And Mike Flanagan yeah. is, is on record saying, this is a dream. I would love to come back to this. If Stephen mm. King would ever have me come back, I would love to come back. And I think that's a great, that's a great world to explore. Just the overlook. Different stories of people coming and going. Like, that would be fucking amazing. And it doesn't even have to be tied into, like, the, you know, handful of ghosts that we explore in The Shining and um, Doctor Sleep. It could be totally different stuff. Oh, yeah. And just have well, that as the backdrop. The, the nice thing is, like, even if it wasn't, like, a, a prequel exploration of the story, like, just a continuation of the story. Like, uh, King never wrote any continuation to this. Mm -hmm. So the whole story of the knot and you know the out like what happens after this, I mean that's free reign. Yeah. Like to tell like to stay within universe but all your own original shit. Oh. Like I could see it being amazing. I would love that. Um Sparkling Shadows is saying a prequel would be phenomenal, maybe following Rose the Hat's origins. I would love more Rose the Hat. If we Definitely. could get more of her, oh my gosh. When they were in their power in their prime before Steam became like you know, rare. That would I. Th I would love to see that. Oh that yeah, something I would just. There's just so much. This is. I, I want to impress upon people. Doctor Sleep slash The Shining, to me, is like George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones to so many others. It is a world that I want to just live in. I want to just bathe in this world. I want to be surrounded at all times in this universe because it is so terrifying and so visceral and so honest and true to what the real world is, but with this addition of, I don't know if you want to call it supernatural or magic or what, but it's so fucking wonderful. I just, I love oh, yeah. it so much. I want so many sequels and so many spinoffs and I want it all now. <laughs> and I want yeah. Mike Flanagan and Stephen King to always collaborate on everything in the future, whether it's this or something else, because they are brilliant together. Oh, yeah. As through Ooh, you know, it would be fantastic. A fucking Mike Flanagan, Stephen King and Joe Hill collaboration. <laughs> I would fucking die. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. And it's just because it's so ripe with opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, with future visits, with revisits. It's such a wonderful film. So I, if you had to give this a rating, what would you give it? All right. So I decided banana stickers will Ooh. be how I rate shit. Okay. On a I'll scale have to get a of, graphic going. What's that? I'll have to get oh, a yeah. graphic. <laughs> I, I mean, I got banana stickers. I don't know where they are. But I would give it four banana stickers. Out of how many? Out of, oh, sorry, where the camera is. I don't fucking remember. Out of four. Four out of four banana stickers. Four That's out of really four banana fucking... stickers. Okay. Um, I love it. I like I like your rating. I like your score. I'm going to go. I get I get over enthralled with it. So my initial reaction is to give it four out of four banana stickers as well. But the truth is, is walking out of the theater, I was a little tossed with that third act because it was so out of line. But I understand why they did it. And I understand the fact that it. OK, here it is. Because he tied so brilliantly not only the conclusion of the shining novel, but the shining, uh, the conclusion of the shining, the film Kubrick's and the conclusion of Dr. Sleep's novel. And uh, through the film, uh, you have to give it four out of four because yeah. he tied together what were seen as horrible options off of each other. You either love the film or you love the book and never the two shall meet. And he brought them together beautifully and oh, yeah. still paid off the end of this original, very different novel 
that was a brilliant catharsis to pure torture and substance abuse and physical abuse and fucking a four out of four banana stars all yeah. the way. See, that's the thing. Like I, I, I did remember that Danny lived at the end. So I was like, what the fuck? How's he dying? But looking at it, it's like, you know, he didn't really have much of a choice. Like he had to kind of tie everything up and I just completely ate it up. So like I walking out, that was my biggest concern was how, because this was supposed to be more off of the book than, you know, anything else, but then it just completely changes directions. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we, we don't get that much. Like either it's completely opposite of whatever the fucking book was, or it's so close that it's not good. Yeah. And it's like, he almost went the it route, like where it was not the book at all. It felt like the book, mm -hmm. but it wasn't the book until it was the book. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't the book. It yeah. Just, fucking yeah. goddamn season the whole abduction points and stuff mm -hmm. i i wanted to explore that point more but they just didn't have time to do it mm -hmm. but i thought they did it so brilliantly and so I, I i wasn't so bothered up until the point where we saw billy freeman shoot himself and i was like oh mm -hmm. fuck yeah that oh, was what the fuck <laughs> that was pretty abrupt yeah. but i mean it got you your jump scare mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, I fucking jumped yeah i, I knew it was gonna happen but coming. still but Okay, but it did mean that there were consequences, mm -hmm. and I appreciated that because I didn't feel like there were really consequences in the in the book because Aber was so powerful. I liked that in the film there were real consequences. Her dad oh, yeah. fucking dies. Yeah, like fucking Billy dies, and I, I don't know. There's something about that 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 means that the knot is dangerous. We watched them torture that young boy that I can't remember his damn name at the very beginning. There's yeah, consequences. They murdered that girl in the very opening scene. They're fucking consequences, and I love that. That means they're dangerous, and that means there's stakes at hand, and that yeah. was really important. Yeah, and you have to drive that shit home, because how the fuck are they going to be damn near eternal mm -hmm. if they don't fuck shit up? Mm -hmm. um, so Sparkling Rose is asking, would you recommend someone read the books before watching the film no i honestly wouldn't if, okay so if you've never read the shining don't watch kubrick watch this then wa uh, then read the books yeah. that would be my personal recommendation mm -hmm. if you've read the shining and you've seen kubrick yeah maybe read the book first mm -hmm. i don't really honestly think it makes a difference though i would I, say I, if you've read the shining book then yes read dr sleep the book they go beautifully together and they're wonderful. If you've seen Kubrick's The Shining, you have to see Dr. Sleep, mm -hmm. the film, because they go beautifully together. But outside of those pairings, I don't think it's essential. Though Yeah, don't don't watch the Mick Garris one and then this. <laughs> yeah, it it's not gonna sense. make sense at all. It won't make sense. Um, but that's your pairing is film film, novel novel. And then if you're an obsessive wiener like both of us, then do it all. Yes. <laughs> we will yes, I... we will do a revisit of The Shining oh, yeah. and Stephen King's The Shining um, miniseries because yeah. we have to. Totally, totally have to. I haven't watched that in probably a year or two, so I've never it's about that. damn time. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Sadness on Cinema. Um, just to, by way of narrative so everyone understands what this is. Satanists and Satanic Cinema started as a paid audio commentary that went alongside a film. Mm -hmm. um, and then I changed it into a video audio commentary uh, featuring Joe and Cameron here. And then uh, I cha that was, we stopped doing that and it changed into Satanic Film Commentary, which was going back to audio. And then we tried to revive that through one episode or two episodes of... The Devils in the Details, which was a video audio um, review, not commentary. And we're going to move forward just in the vein of connecting it to what already has been and what we've already done as a review series. But it's going to be live video about films and it's going to be called Satanists on Cinema. Shortening it, making it concise, paying homage to what we've already been doing for years at this point. And it's just an easier and more logical transition. So expect this moving forward. And YouTube's not going to flag us. Yeah. <laughs> because they did. Those cocksuckers. They did a lot. They blocked episodes. 
Yeah. And they wouldn't even let me download them. They no, just such put a big red button and said, do not touch. I put so much effort into those fucking costumes. <laughs> God damn it. They were great, dude. I put in tens of minutes. Uh, <laughs> don't sound like so much. Uh, all right. Thank you guys for tuning in live. For those of you who are willing to suffer through the spoiler <laughs> review, if you, uh, again, I'm hoping that people come and revisit this after they've seen the film. I understand that not a lot of people are going to want to watch a spoiler if they haven't, of course, seen the film, because these films are, are worth seeing without the spoiler element. But come back, revisit it, like and share the video if you like it, and let us know what you think. And until next time, uh, hail Satan, everyone. Hail Satan. I still don't have an outro, so I'll just do this. Boop, 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 boop.